welcome to our 21st episode of Two Tankers and a Cat. We are your hosts, I'm Charlie. And this is Russell. Well, we've got some big news. Um, Russell was going through our stats, and we found out that through the Apple Podcast, we are 1,021. Out of the tens of thousands of podcasts on uh, Apple, we are almost in the top 1,000. And it's thanks to you guys. You guys are amazing. We really appreciate it. Exactly. And that is one of our biggest platforms that folks download us off of is apple podcasts and uh we're even getting uh ratings and reviews uh one, one of the guys uh he just signed in as x l v 51 um he's the world uh tanks blitz player and he said yeah you guys are amazing i'm like well thank you exactly that's cool that's and, nice to hear out of folks like that and then uh, we got a World of Tanks console player, and he said it was a fun podcast. And uh, he was making fun of me because I can't say the German <laughs> tank <laughs> names and stuff like that, but that's uh, old and creaky. I think that's what we're going to use some of the Patreon money for is Charlie's uh, German lessons. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, apparently I need him. So <laughs> I'd also like to uh, give a shout out to one of our uh, live stream. Uh, viewers, one of our guys that uh, watches us uh, when we're live streaming the video games. His name's uh, Gilbert Cunningham. And he said, listen, you were got talking about the Panzer III and how uh, this, when the Soviets had them in Stalingrad, they had like 200 of them, and you were talking about that SU-76I. Do you remember that, Russ? Yeah, I do. Well, apparently, he said, you forgot this SG-122, and I'm like, dude, I'm pretty good with, you know, history. There's just no way. So he says, no, I'll, I'll send you the link and show you the pictures, because he actually did a model for it. And I'm like, okay. Sure enough, the Soviets had a almost an artillery piece, and it was called the SG-122. So I'm going to try to talk Russ into adding a couple of pictures of that in this broadcast, even though it should be on the Panzer III broadcast. And uh, I'd also like to give a shout-out to Andy Crow. Um, do you remember Andy Crow, Russell? Yeah, I believe I do. I believe he gave us a message on Patreon. That's right. And he was like, hey, when are you guys going to be doing uh, the comment? And I'm like, well, actually, we're going to do it now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're going to do the comment, and we're going to talk about the comment. And uh, what else do we got to talk about? Do we have to give some Patreon shout-outs? Yeah. Um, still like to shout-out to those folks who's uh, given us sort of their support on Patreon. Still got Andy Crow at the M3 Stewart level. At the M4 Sherman level, we've got Rick Schmidt, who's supporting us there. And got three different folks on the M1 Abrams level that are still supporting us on Patreon. Uh, Kyler Montgomery. Kevin Chin and Mark Drake. Well, I tell you what, Rick Schmidt at the M4 Sherman level uh, has an in-game name uh, on World of Tanks of Voodoo Cobra, and uh, he's always watching my stream. And he just loves when I get hit by artillery. He just just put LOL, ha ha ha, and I'm like, thanks, <laughs> thanks, you're yeah. you're a hero. Yeah, Mark Drake, the uh, artillery magnet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Um. Let's talk about the YouTube. 
Is that going up? Yeah. Also want to give a special shout out to our 46 YouTube channel subscribers, um, our two tankers and a cat YouTube channel. It is out there. If you haven't checked us out yet, please do so. Continually getting new subscribers on there. And looks like everybody's starting to use your YouTube channel more. Uh, you can search for two tankers and a cat on YouTube and make sure you subscribe to our channel so that way you're notified of any future videos that we do release on youtube and i do want to get charlie probably to do some more streaming on youtube and and that kind of stuff too in the future release some videos for our youtube followers yeah uh, i know this month the end of july um i think it's like the 21st through the 26th um i'm going to be in indiana uh, at the Indiana Tank Museum, and we're going to do video there, and we'll try to get that in there and do some Patreon uh, video, too. Yeah. Exclusive content for there our Patreon go. users. Heck yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah. Show our support for them, yeah. Well, today's first key point that we want to talk about, of course, is the Comet Tank. The second point is the Tiger Tank versus the Comet. Now, a lot of people are going to go, wait a minute, the Comet never faced the Tiger. And I'm like, yes, yes, it did. Go look it up. If not, we'll give you the link. Okay, Russ, we have seen a couple of comets in our travels. Uh, the one in uh, Tulsa at Kiwi Imports. But that was, it had the chariot. It was actually converted into a charioteer. Um, and we saw the one in Fort Benning that was, you know, sunk in salt water and it was just rusting apart. Yes, yes. I remember uh, that one quite well. Uh, and I always confuse the comet with the Cromwell. So please tell us about it. Yeah, the British Comet was essentially an upgraded Cromwell tank. It was design work started in May of 1943. The Birmingham Railway Carriage and Wagon Company was the design parent of the British Cromwell tank and the A-34 Cruiser Tank Comet. Other companies were involved in the construction of this AFV, the biggest being English Electric, Fowler's, Leland, and Metropolitan Camel. Well, that's a lot of companies. Why didn't they have so many companies making this. Uh, the production was actually dispersed around Britain because of the threat of German bombing. Orders for 3,000 Comet tanks were issued. They were to use chassis numbers in the range T-334-901 to T-337-900. Uh, the end of the war resulted in the early cancellation of part of this order and only 1,186 were produced. Well, how many were... How many were, like, lost in combat out of that thousand? Out of the thousand, only 26 were recorded as lost in action during World War II. Well, that's that's not bad. Not bad at all. Um, when you look at the hull of the Comet and you compare it with the Cromwell uh, tank it, it was replacing, there are more similarities than differences. Talk, talk to us a little bit about why that is. Yeah, this was actually because there was a conscious decision by the wartime tank designers to avoid complications in production when the new Comet tank was introduced. This design restraint meant that a fully sloped armored front was not introduced, even though it would have improved protection from enemy AP shells. Okay, so you have your UK troops driving these Comets, and basically most of the um, UK tanks, and they're like, stop with the flat armor. Give us some sloped armor. And they said, mm, nope, nope. Uh, so I know it came with a loader or a larger turret ring, uh, and it was fitted to cope with a bigger, wider turret. Uh, it was now, what, 64 inches or uh, 1629 millimeters in diameter, and the turret traverse was powered 
by the tank engine, but there were still handheld wheels for, you know, final uh, fire adjustments. Talking about fire, tell us about the 77mm gun, Russ. Yeah, to avoid confusion with the 76.2mm or 3-inch 17-pounder gun and the American 76.2mm 3-inch tank gun, the new 3-inch 76.2mm high-velocity tank gun that was fitted to the Comet was called the 77mm HV gun. It was very accurate, and as well as firing high explosive and smoke shells, it could fire a number of different armor-piercing rounds, like the armor-piercing capped ballistic cap, or the APCBC shell. Uh, uh, what? A APCBC shell? We really need to do an episode on shells, Russ. Yeah, we do. I'm, I'm, man. We could probably get into shells and and all that good stuff, and I'd, we could probably get two episodes out of it eventually. But uh, yeah, we uh, need to do a basic one for sure. An armor-piercing capped ballistic cap. <laughs> wow. Uh-uh. Yeah. All right, Russ, go ahead. Yeah, there was only room for 61 rounds for the main gun to be stored inside the tank. The 77mm HV gun was a modified version of the powerful British 17-pounder 76.2mm gun, and it was redesigned by Vickers Armstrong to fit inside the Comet tank turret. It was shorter than the 17-pounder gun with a reduced breech and recoil. This meant that it lost around 10% of its stopping power compared to the 17-pounder gun. It was still a very powerful gun that could knock out German Tiger and Panther tanks in the right circumstances. Although the 77mm HV gun had a slightly poorer armor-piercing capability than the 17-pounder, it was found to be much more accurate at longer distances. Okay, (laughs) I want to get this straight. So they lose 10% of their pin, but raise accuracy. So you can hit the target now, but you can't penetrate it. What the hell? I don't understand. I don't either. Ma- maybe the yeah. maybe uh, if we go on and talk about the tiger battle, we'll figure out why there they did go. that. There you go. Okay, uh, Russ, tell us about the production history. Yeah, the British Comet tank was designed in 1943, manufactured by Leland Motors, and produced in September of 1944. Like we mentioned before, there's about 1,186 of them built. They were they weighed. 32.7 long tons. They were 25 foot 1.6 inches in length or 7.661 meters. They were 10 foot 1 inches wide or 3.07 meters. And they were 8 foot 6 inches high, which comes out to about 2.5 meters high. Uh, still not as tall as the M3 lead. Still not that tall. 10 foot tall and built proof. I agree. America. <laughs> <laughs> well, what kind of crew did it have? The Comet had five crew members, had a commander, a gunner, a loader slash operator, a driver, and a hole gunner. And it had armor between about 1.3 to 4.0 inches thick, or 32 to 102 millimeters thick. But it's flat. Flat. Flat armor. <laughs> yeah. No, you don't put 1.3 oh, inches of flat armor in the front. Think. No. No. God bless the British British tankers. Yeah. They, they had, I mean, they were screaming at their command, oh, give us some sloped armor, and they're like, oh, quit making a fuss. Yeah, no big deal. It had its main armament as a 77-millimeter HV gun, which, like we mentioned before, had 61 rounds that they carried with them in the tank. Also had a secondary armament of two 7.92-millimeter BASA 
machine guns, and they carried about 5,175 rounds with machine gun rounds inside the tank with them. It had a Rolls-Royce Meteor Mark III V12 gasoline engine. So a pretty powerful engine, Rolls-Royce. Yeah, 600 horsepower. Nice. Not, not bad at all, man. Had a power-weight ratio to 18 horsepowers per ton. That's pretty good. Pretty good. It had a Merritt Brown Z5 transmission. More familiar suspension of Christie suspension system. I wonder if Christie got a check. I bet not. <laughs> I bet not. <laughs> and it had a ground clearance, which we really haven't covered before, of about 18 inches or about a half a meter. You know, we haven't been covering the ground clearance, and we probably should. What was the fuel capacity on those? It carried about 116 imperial gallons or 530 liters. Gotcha. So with that kind of gas, what kind of operational range are we talking about? 133 miles or 198 kilometers on the roads, usually. So for a full tank of gas, you're going 123, but how fast are you going? 32 miles per hour or 51 kilometers an hour. Okay, so a little bit slower than Cromwell, but still pretty quick tank. Yeah. So looking at the Comet, they also kept the flat armor up front. Even though their tankers were screaming for sloped, you know, armor, again, I have to say, what the hell? You know, you got to listen to your guys every once in a while. Okay, Russ, was there, you know, people always question me, did the Comet ever fight the Tiger? Was there any Tiger versus uh, Comet combat history? Well, yes, there actually was. And even with the Comet's limitations, a Comet killed a Tiger. And here's the story. In the wooded countryside close to the Aller River in Germany, a small action took place between a lone tiger and three Comet tanks belonging to the 3rd Royal Tank Regiment in 11th Armored Division. The action took place in April 1945, which was close to the end of the war, and by this time, scattered German units were fighting where the opportunity occurred, not always under any sort of organized control. Instead, small enemy parties were being encountered in the woods with actual tanks, and one could never be sure when it might happen, so it paid to be on the alert at all times. Now, when you're trying to be on alert at all times, it it does wear on your stuff. I mean, you know it, and I know it from just being in law enforcement, and, and, you know, you're ready to go, but if you're ready to go for eight hours straight, it, it tears on you. Yeah, very true. Uh, But, yeah, if you're going through the woods, I mean, that's a perfect place to ambush somebody. So, yeah, if I was in a tiger and, you know, small unit, yeah, I'd wait in the woods. Uh, Go ahead, Russ. As an example, uh, Major Paul Schultz decided to form Kampfgruppe Schultz using six Tiger tanks from the tank school and five Panther tanks of the Panzerlehrer Demonstration Division, which had been based at Falling Bolstel. So, he he doesn't have any tanks. The British are coming. The British are coming. The British are coming. Yeah. And he's like, I, I've got to get a unit together. And so he goes to the tank school where they're using these tanks to train. Says, uh, well, no more training. These, these six Tigers are mine now. And then they had the five Panther tanks that they were using for, like, demonstrations, you know, and parades and stuff like that. So... He grabs those and says, okay, now I got a tank unit. Their first collision was with the British 6th Airborne Division, which accounted for four of the Panthers destroyed and one Tiger hit in the turret by a PIAT so that it was unable to to traverse and sent back for repairs. Now, have you seen this PIAT? I think they call it a PIAT. 
Okay. Have, have you ever seen? I have never seen one. No. Uh, if you ever, have you ever seen the movie uh, Bridge Too Far? Yeah. Okay. Um, they're on the bridge and they're waiting for tanks to come across, and they have an RPG that's kind of open on the top. It looks like a caulk gun. Okay. Where you would you know put you know caulking. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they would push a rod down, and they would put just a mortar shell uh, that was a coned high explosive, uh, and they would sit there and pop the pop the uh, gun, and this rod would go in there and hit the mortar and shoot it forward. But its effective range was only forty millimeters. Wow! You know, it had a sight on it that went up to hundred millimeters. Yeah. But you know, you talked to everybody there and said, no, no. When it came to the Piat or P I A T, um, and somewhere I know that Craig Moore and Ed and some of our other British listeners are going, you killed it. That, <laughs> that's not how you say P I A T. I'm like, I'm sorry. Uh, I know. We're going to have to spend some more time around them to I, I catch gotta, on. I guess I'm going to have to learn English. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, they fire this cock gun-looking thing at, at 40 millimeters. So how many tanks did they knock out? Yeah, the remaining tanks uh, meet with the 5th Armored and were actually defeated. Uh, meanwhile, the Tiger that was hit by the Piot was escorted off the battlefield under... Eric Franzen, and was sent off to Falling Bostel to be re- repaired. Okay, so going back, they got in a fight with these uh, British uh, paratroopers, and uh, they knocked out four of the Panthers and one of the Tigers. Uh, the Tiger was hitting the turret, so they send that Tiger back to get repaired. Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, the workshops at Falling Bostel did what they could to fix it, and now with Sergeant Franzen in command... Not realizing that they were effectively behind Allied lines, set out to see what it could do. Being effectively on its own, Fronson's Tiger, his plan was to be used for opportunist actions such as an ambush. So, like we were talking about, he, he, the sergeant, they repaired his tank the best they could, and he goes out and he's going to try and, you know, damage the enemy as much as he can. He doesn't, he doesn't know the lines have changed, and now he's behind Allied lines. Wow. Okay. Incredible. The tank commander all alone decides to take his tiger uh, that had just been repaired, like we were talking about, and ambush UK forces. And he doesn't, you know, he doesn't know he's behind enemy lines. And uh, go on, tell us what happens. Setting out on the morning of April 12th, the tiger followed a track leading to a forest when it encountered three Comet tanks of A Squadron, 3rd Royal Tank Regiment, the leading troop of which was number one troop, commanded by Lieutenant Johnny Langdon. The Comet was still no match for the Tiger, especially in terms of armor protection. Where firepower was concerned, it was fitted with a shortened version of the 17-pounder gun, which can penetrate the Tiger on the sides and rear. But not the front. Not the front, yeah. Uh, The Comet did have an advantage in terms of mobility, but that was unlikely to be much of a use in the forest. Well, that makes sense. When Langdon spotted the Tiger, it was about 600 meters away. Langdon's tank got the first shot in, but since it didn't appear to do anything, and the Tiger's 88mm gun was slowly sl- swinging his way. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> That's one of them oh poop moments. Uh, it is. You're like, oh, poop. La- so, so, what, so what did he what did he do, Langdon? Langdon ordered his driver to reverse into the trees and get out of the line of fire. As he did so, the German tank turned its attention to another Comet that was reversing off the road. 
It was actually hit three times, and the crew bailed out, but the tank was a write-off. Now, the reason I found out that these Tigers were actually shooting a hit tank three times was because of the Sherman. They would blow a hole in the Sherman, and, you know, and the crew would bail out, and they're like, okay, that one's dead. But then the Americans would come get their tank, shoot some liquid cement in it, and clean it up a little bit, repaint it, and send it back out. And they're like, you know what? From now on, shoot those things until they're dead. So they shot this comet until it was dead. And the crew bailed. They had to. Uh, Go ahead, Russ. Yeah, after a few more shots down the road and destroying at least two other vehicles, an M3 half-track and a Daimler armored car, Franzen's tank withdrew for the night. So the Tiger is set up for an ambush, and the Comet sees the Tiger first. He he fires, hits the Tiger, but because they've shortened this 17-pounder, they've changed the 17-pounder to 10% less less penetration, it doesn't pin. (laughs) I'm not laughing. Uh, I know. If you look at the big picture, it's kind of funny. So he shoots the Tiger with this 77, and the tiger hears a big, you know, doorbell, dunk. <laughs> so the tiger starts turning its 88, and they try to run, but they lose a common and a couple other vehicle. So the tiger knows it's been spotted, and that these guys run away, and you know they're going to bring help. So they have to run away and not be sitting in the same area. Yeah. Right? True, true. Yeah, you don't want to sit still, yeah. Yeah, but what does it do? Yeah, the next morning, when 3rd RTR was starting to move out, what did Langdon see but the same tiger sitting in the middle of the road and waiting for them? <laughs> now, that is some guts. Oh, it is. <laughs> like, okay, you you guys shot at me. I killed one of your comets <laughs> and a couple of other vehicles. You're just and, saying, bring it on. And, and we were just talking about, <laughs> y- you need to move. And he's just sitting there waiting for him, like, no, uh, I, I did, I'm still here. This morning, it was actually Sergeant Harding's Comet's turn to be the lead tank. They had pulled off the road, taking advantage of the trees. Harding advanced until the Tiger was on his flank. Franzen discovered the Comet and was attempting to traverse his gun to deal with him when a round from Harding's tank penetrated the side armor of the Tiger's hull and set it on fire. The crew escaped, and Franzen later, later commented he was most impressed that the British tanks let him and his men get away and didn't machine gun them as they were perfectly entitled to do so. See, now that's the British for you. You know, yeah, they've shot your tank. It's on fire. They see you bailing out. Most other enemies would definitely machine gun you because they don't want to see you again and something else down the road. But the British were like, you know, pip, pip, (laughs) and let them get away. Well, that's some honor. I probably wouldn't have done it. If I see a tiger crew bailing out and knowing they might get another tiger somewhere down the line, uh, I'm sorry. You're not getting away. Well, you know what? That was a pretty good episode, Russ. Uh, Let's go ahead and wrap up. I know we made this a shorter episode because uh, I think our Panther episode ran over an hour. Yeah, it did. So we're trying to keep them short now so people can actually listen to them going to and from work. (laughs) Um, tell us how to contact us. Yeah, you can always contact us through our email at uh, twotankersandcat at gmail.com or find us on Facebook, uh, Two Tankers and Cat Podcast. Just search for that and give us a like on Facebook. Help us get the word out that we're still out here and going strong. And you can also 
leave us your feedback or comments on all of our different media that we're available on. And and also, don't forget, you can also leave us a voicemail at 785-380-9844. And with your voicemails, when you do leave it for us, if you've got any comments or anything, we'll make sure and include those in our next podcast. Well, and you probably haven't heard Lightning, our mascot, because Russ actually played with him for about an hour and (laughs) wore him out. Her. I'm sorry, her. (laughs) I I keep saying him. But yes, a her. Yeah. Lightning Cat is actually a her. It's a her. And uh, she's up there, passed out on the top of her uh, little cat tree, and is like, you know what? We need to start wearing her out before we start playing. I agree, yes. It helps a lot when she's asleep. It's been a great episode, and uh, we'll be back. And what's our next episode going to be? It's going to be about the Tiger 712 down in Fort Benning we went and saw, right? Yeah. Yeah, it will be. There's a GoFundMe trying to raise money for that. And uh, before we actually get to that episode, uh, why don't you guys swing by and look for uh, Tiger Tank 712 Restoration on uh, GoFundMe. And they're trying to raise money so they can actually get that tiger looking good. Sweet. Sounds like a good deal. All right. For this episode, this is Charlie. And this is Russell. As always, happy tanking and have a great week.